Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. We're a small country and I think the Twitter account Iceland Football might have a point when they tweet Jesus Christ France you beat us find your own way to celebrate your win hashtag embarrassing this is the Irish Times second captain's Euro 2016 podcast with Owen Murph and Ken in case you missed yesterday Ken is back in the country uh, hello say hi again see still, the, novelty hasn't, the novelty hasn't quite worn off yet so it's great to have you there I, ha- I had a feeling um, well it was a feeling that that was sort of germinating slowly in my mind. Germinating. And that, and that Mark Horgan really brought to the fore in an office chat yesterday when he made the point that he was already starting to get sick of the, uh, Viking, thund- Thunderclap. the Viking Thunderclap. And that was based largely just on the Icelanders doing it. Icelanders? Yeah. Icelanders. Um, I, it was already starting Probably to... Probably Icelanders as opposed to Icelanders. My point being that we were already going to get quite... <laughs> He's rattled. Quite sick of it. Uh, you, you got him there, kid. Even if it was limited to people from Iceland. Yeah. Indulging in it. And how often are we going to see that realistically ever again? Maybe once or twice? And even at that, you might think, okay, it had its moment. It was amazing. And it was brilliant when you guys did it. Now that France have taken it on and aren't even really executing it with quite the same mixture of... There was a Menace guy, very, and, uh, there was a guy very prominently getting it completely wrong. Was there, the, yeah. Like the first, <laughs> the first rule of seats in the stand. Well, I mean, we might still like the Mexican wave if it was only happening in Mexican football. They went and <laughs> oh, held it. No, oh, it's not going to be as oh, prodigious as that. One hundred percent, it's going to be. We're going to. I mean, the idea that we could ever have liked the uh, the Viking Thunderclap <laughs> is going to be so outrageous to us in maybe a year's time. Uh, that we'll actually start tonight. We'll be like, well, I know I can listen back to the podcast, but I know what I said. That Viking thunderclap is a pain in the air. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a bit strange that France um, just totally commandeered it, um, just completely adopted it as their own. Uh, I don't know if they do if they've taken something from every opponent that lies fallen uh, by the wayside of France's Euro March. I can't think what they've taken from the Irish team. Maybe they just took that because they thought it was it was nice, but. Uh, they need to learn how to do it properly if they're going to do it. I mean, the whole point of it is that there's really long pauses for the first few Yeah, claps. Really long. You have to be patient. You've got to be patient. Don't be afraid of dead air. No. Uh, indeed. I mean, people just want to fill that up, fill up that emptiness. But uh, sometimes emptiness is... 
you know, has its place. No emptiness for Antoine Griezmann last night, Ken, or his colleagues. Griezmann was so good. I thought even... Actually, if, what's your overall take on the game? What's Ken's hot take, first of all, before we get into all these little specifics? I thought France were very lucky. Um, Germany lost their heads, I thought. They completely took control of the game in the first half. Uh, after France started really well, um, and it looked as though... It looked as though maybe they were going to that the Germany were a bit flustered. The atmosphere was obviously very kind of hot in Marseille, um, and France really put put a lot of nice moves together just in the first five minutes, and then that all stopped. And Germany just took control, and France couldn't get the ball, couldn't keep the ball for longer than three seconds. Were you know absolutely being dominated. I mean, as much as any host nation, I'm not quite as much as any host nation, I mean, I think it's two years to the day. <laughs> yeah, I was going to mention, yeah. yeah. The last host nation. Mm. Um, so well. Yeah, against Germany in that semi-final. But um, it really looked as though Germany completely uh, owned that game, were dominating it, and would, all they needed to do was just keep that up, and the goal would come, and France wouldn't really have any way back into it. And then Bastian Schweinsteiger... Uh, turned it all around. Schweinsteiger is um, has played more games and tournaments than any other footballer in history, and I think we saw last night an indication of why the limit stands at a at just the roundabout, or the previous limit stood at a point just before the thirty eight matches that he's played in tournaments. It's a long time at the top, Owen, a really long time, and. Maybe Bastian Schweinsteiger slightly outside as welcome. Well, he had done pretty well in the first half up until then. Yeah, he'd done all right. Uh, he, was, he was lording the game, according to a lot of the post-match analysis. I wouldn't quite go that far, but I thought he was certainly quite good. I thought that uh, Kroos was the, is the key player for Germany when they do that, when they, when they sort of um, uh, you know, take control of the ball in a game like that. It's always Tony Kroos who's really at the heart of it. I mean, Emery Chan was playing in midfield with Kroos and he might as well not have been playing. He was just a body. You know, he was just a, he was like a, a scarecrow of a German player. You know, but he wasn't really, he wasn't really contributing anything. I mean, maybe that's a problem with what Germany were doing. They didn't, didn't really find a way. He was on the field, but he might as well not have been there. Um, and Schweinsteiger was from a position behind Kroos, uh, taking out the ball, although, you know, it wasn't, it's never too difficult to pass the ball around, you know, from that sort of position in the field. But like uh, Schweiny was the uh, subject of the build front page today. Mm-hmm. Gavin Riley uh, was tweeting this morning. Viney. You, you of all people, Schweinsteiger. You of all people, our captain with a needless handball. What does whiny mean? Cry, uh, weepy. Weepy. Oh, yeah. Okay, I see what they've done there. Yeah, so he does look pretty. Schweinsteiger de- crying. Yeah, he with looks a, pretty dejected. With his what appears to be Louis Van Hal tribute haircut. <laughs> it is. It is a tribute to Louis Van Hal that haircut, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. I think it's. I think there's a lot. There's a lot of similarities there. But you know, he um, accidental, stupid though. I mean, this is the same goal that Germany conceded in the semi-final as well. Why are they jumping in the penalty area with their hands outstretched, trying to get their hand on the ball? It's it's nonsense, and it was a definite penalty. I mean, usually I don't think the penalty would have been given because the referee wouldn't have seen it. It was a good spot by the referee. Maybe it was the linesman. Um, who saw Fourth it. official, fifth official, whatever he's called. Maybe it means, there was a yeah. slight delay in the referee giving it. So I think it did kind of seem like he was getting instruction from someone. From someone else, yeah. Uh, he was on the other side of of the head. of the, I forget which French player it was that Schweinsteiger was challenging, but he, 
I mean, you're just asking to give away a penalty. And Boateng had done the same thing against Italy. And that was the only type of goal Germany were conceding up until uh, the second Griezmann one. Um, there's no defense for it. I mean, it ruined everything for them because it was just before the just before the halftime break. They totally dominated the game. Suddenly they're one 0 down. How these are the world champions, though. How do they not have more confidence in what they're doing to withstand that blow? They've still got forty five minutes. It wasn't quite England against Iceland, but they certainly stopped doing what they've been doing to to you know, to get into a dominant position in the game. Because I think when that happens, it's it's just it's quite natural to start to doubt everything that's happening. I mean, suddenly you can't just play with the same lack of pressure. When it's nil-nil, you can play controlling a game that's nil-nil and not worry about it. You can't play the same way you're losing. You know, you can't you can't be as patient. Well, you can, but it's much more difficult. Um, so they lost the, the, it, they, it cost them their sort of, you know, relaxed attitude that they had in the first half. Um, the sort of patience let's just pick these guys apart we're clearly the better team they were so relaxed they looked like they were really enjoying it in the first half uh, Boateng whipping these diags mm. all, all over the place as he was doing actually he kept going right right up until he was one diag too many I think he ripped his hamstring while, while trying to kick kick one uh, long ball but they I, they looked like they were so in control Ozil was playing well and this idea that they, that they had no cutting edge I, I don't know it seems to me that there's a small bit a lot of the reports I'm reading today seem to be suggesting that France were actually fine and that they were just absorbing the pressure. I thought they were under immense strain, actually. And uh, this uh, a a lack of cutting edge basically equals Thomas Muller playing like he does in European Championships rather than like he does in World Cups. And if they had him on form a little bit more, it could have been game over by halftime. Yeah, um, well, it could have been. And certainly in the second half, uh, Germany had quite a few chances after the 2-0. I mean, they had so many. They had more than enough chances to win the match after going two 0 down, you know. And there was there was an amazing save by Lloris oh, from Kimmich. So good, was, yeah. Kimmich was was probably the only. You see, this is the thing. I mean, this is probably the only real. You think that's going in moment uh, that Germany managed to create. I mean, they. It's just it's it's difficult to play that type of football um, when you're flustered and losing, you know, effectively. Uh, Everything is just everything just kind of went wrong for them. I mean, I think that it was it was a, it was a test essentially of their of their mental strength when they, having totally dominated a game, went in at halftime losing, having to deal with that kind of injustice in this difficult situation. It was a test of their mental strength, and they yeah. failed. They failed it. Murph, we were walking out of the stadium in Leon a few weeks, a couple of weeks back. Mm-hmm. How long ago it was? Now I lose track of days during this Sunday term. week. And 12 days ago. We might have made the point in the podcast that it, it felt very much like the coronation of this new king of French football. Yeah. And early in the tournament, Griezmann had his troubles, dropped for the second game. It's, it's, it's amazing to think now that Payet was the guy at the start. I mean, Payet's disappearing off, off yeah. the face of this team. I thought he did very little last night. And it would actually be quite lucky to, to be playing in the final, given his form. But Griezmann, at one stage, he went over to take a corner kick after he'd scored a second goal against Ireland. He was getting all the we're not worthy, people bowing down to his feet. And it did feel a little bit like, wow, this is the guy. You know, they've got a lot of talent, but he he's the guy who's emerging as the star here, which is certainly yeah, was I mean, again last night. It's certainly of a piece with how France have won uh, the, the tournaments that they've hosted in the past. So it was Platini in 84, Zidane in 98. And I mean, you know, there's... When you look at those two, like say even Zidane was suspended for the first two yeah, games. Yeah, he had a nightmare start as well. As well. Yeah. He was sent um, off and then suspended, yeah. 
but uh, but obviously came good at the at the perfect time. So I mean, it was interesting though that even walking into the ground in Lyon, the amount of uh, Griezmann seven jerseys that you saw. Um, so I mean, you know, he obviously had an amazing season with Madrid, and there was not an expectation, but there was a hope that he would be the guy that would step up. I mean, I always do find it interesting that these tournaments they completely hothouse the development of these guys. You know, the decline of players and the development of players is just completely, it explodes over the course of two weeks. And so, I mean, if you're looking at the three best players in the world right now, like, Griezmann is probably in there now, you know? and like that's, Best player in the world? <laughs> well, he's one of the three, isn't he? Is he the third best player in the world? Ken? Who, who are you talking about now? Griezmann. Well, who, but no, I mean, who are the others? Oh, uh, Messi and Ronaldo. And what about... Say Luis Suarez or Gareth Bale. Yeah, Gareth Bale. Well, I mean, would you not make the argument for Griezmann now, though? That, that, that you could it, make an argument that for him. Is, you definitely could. Yeah. That this is weighted. That these two weeks or three weeks in a player's career are weighted completely differently to you know any other weeks that you'll ever have in your career. You yeah, know, like your yeah, breakout yeah. tournament is. Yeah, but you know, first of all, this the match on Sunday is going to have. Yeah. <laughs> Match on Sunday is still big. You know, I think that, that um, if Lionel Messi or, or you know, Luis Suarez or, or Gareth Bale had been playing against Iceland, Ireland, you know, got to take a penalty against Germany and Sunday might have scored a few goals too. I mean, which is not to, you know, I think Griezmann is excellent, but I mean, if you're talking about him being one of the best players in the world, I don't think he really is. I mean, he has to do what he's done last season, the season before a couple more years in a row before you can speak of him in those terms, I think. It struck me yesterday, though, that even when things weren't going well, he, he was the only real outlet for them in the first half. He took, he nearly scored that great goal mm. very early on well, after a couple of one twos. This beautiful move that uh, was, a, he had a right footed shot that was well saved. He's good in the air. He's, he, yeah. he's, he's, he jumps with defenders and wins headers. I don't know what height he is. Five, five, eight. Five, eight. And he seems to be able to compete with six foot. Not, you know, like a, a straightforward one on one, he's probably going to lose. But if there's anything slightly weighted towards him he'll win that header against yeah. a much bigger defender he, gets in, he can nip in front of people I mean remember when he scored against was it Albania early in the uh, tournament he scored a header um, which was not too dissimilar from the header he scored against Ireland actually um, just before he, that goal went in he had had an almost identical chance but you could see what he was really good at in terms of heading the ball is actually getting in front of a defender who doesn't expect him to be there um, yeah. The ball, the ball came across, and Griezmann just nips across and is able. Is times his times his headers really well, so he usually seems to be able to get a good contact on the ball. But it was more the surprise of wait, what the was seems to it's be like going the, uh, puppy, mind. the puppy taking potato chips from Homer Simpson's hand. That's basically how Griezmann wins uh, headers. Just like po- just pops in front uh, at the moment he least expects when his defenses are dead. <laughs> Yeah, it works. It works for him. Well, Philippe Claire, I'm sure, is a very happy man today. Philippe, congratulations! You're in the final. Thank you very much. How are you assessing last night? <laughs> last night, I mean, uh, it, it, there's, I don't know. I, I, we've been talking about this. I feel there's a bit of revisionism going on in that th- this idea that Germany were in some way. Um, that France were comfortable during the game, that Germany had no cutting edge. It looked to me like France were quite nervy, as they have been at times during the tournament, got that penalty, and then, and then turned things around quite creditably. Yes, I mean, um, it's a strange thing to say, but, you know, I, I, I was quietly confident before, before the game because precisely of the lack of bite that uh, the Germans had shown going forward. And um, even the first 45 minutes, if you look at it again, if you look at them again, you'll see that 
they had the lion's share of the possession, of course, and Boateng was more or less running the game, not even from his central uh, defender uh, position, but playing almost like a, an advanced number six or something like that. But they, there were very, very few clear-cut chances, and, and Loris was on absolute top of his game. So I thought, mm, OK, well, we, we're bound to, to, to get better than that uh, uh, as the game progresses. And uh, I think what you, what you... I'm not saying by any means that it is a, a great French performance, a great um, display of... of uh, collective strength, um, regardless of what L'Equipe is uh, headlining this morning, which is ecstasy, nothing less than that. Uh, uh, it is still far from a, a cohesive unit, but, but it has something that the others haven't had at this competition, which is precisely this cutting edge and um, extraordinary dynamism in, in where it really matters, i.e. in the 30 yards. And I think they showed that quite superbly against the Germans yesterday. Um, it was actually, in, in a way, uh, a little bit more, less nerve-wracking, I was going to say, that, than I expected. Because you got to think that for us playing against Germany, is, you know, we, we're meeting our voodoo team, and we have so many bad memories of you know, 1982 and 1986, uh, 2014. So, um, yeah, I mean, convincing in the end, um, certainly, uh, in terms of uh, the desire, the appetite, and... Uh, the confirmation of some quite exceptional talents in this very young, uh, very young French team. Yeah, none more so, I think, than Antoine Griezmann. Yeah. Uh, Philippe, made the difference again, six goals in the Euros already, and is on his way to becoming an absolute legend of French football. He already is, um, I think. Um, I actually struggle to find players of that type in, in our DNA. Perhaps it's because the fact that he actually hasn't been trained and coached in France is... Is a, is a product of of Spanish football more than anything. Um, don't don't, don't uh, you know? Forget that uh, a few years back, nobody wanted him. Absolutely nobody wanted him. He'd been proposed to our uh, league and clubs and Premier League clubs, and everybody thought he was too slight, too this, too that. And uh, no, it, it's absolutely magnificent. But Griezmann is not the only one. I thought Samuel Umtiti had also a, quite an exceptional game at centre back, which he had to. Uh, in as much, it is not the best organized unit, this French backline, uh, which has only played two games together. Um, there were, you know, and, and they had to rely on, on remarkable performances, individual performances, uh, not to, uh, to concede against um, a Germany team, which still created a number of chances. I mean, it has to be remembered that something that you, perhaps that uh, once the dust has settled and the smiles are not as wide as they are now, we can sit down, watch it again, and realize that actually the Germans created a great number of opportunities and could perhaps have scored three or four in the last 15 minutes. You said uh, Griezmann maybe isn't the kind of player who is, appears too often in the French football DNA. What about Paul Pogba, uh, who appears to have some of the classic attributes, but actually is a, is a, I can't remember seeing too many players like this guy before. A lot of the game last night passed him by, but there he was for the second goal, uh, an absolutely brilliant piece of skill. I mean, the kind of thing that Cristiano Ronaldo became famous for doing. Not very central midfielder-like, but it showed the kind of quality that he does have. Yes, and, and I think people are still wondering uh, what is exactly Paul Pogba's best position. Uh, I, I find him a bit of a liability in a, in a sort of more withdrawn role. Uh, in the first half, the reason why uh, the, um, the Germans were really ruling the roost in, in midfield was precisely because Machidi didn't have such a bad game, but especially Pogba, 
didn't quite understand what was going on around them. And uh, there is this problem with him, this lack of discipline, um, there is lack of tactical now that will come, he's only 23 years, years of age. But at the same time, he does things that nobody else can do. Um, again, uh, it's very difficult to think of a player who has got such extraordinary physical attributes and such technique. Um, and I, again, I don't, I can't think of another one in you know French football history remotely uh, looked like anything like Pogba. It's uh, quite, quite stunning. But you know, as I said, it, it is a very young team. Imagine, you know, when the Umtitis and uh, the Pogbas and the Griezmanns uh, of this world have, uh, are two years older, my gosh, that could be some very, very good unit. And Kingsley Comor and Anthony Martial, whom we shouldn't forget, and um, when Golo Kante as well has become an established international. I mean, this is a team which, certainly going forward, has got, uh, well, a lot to look forward to. Huge night for them on Sunday night, Philippe. Yes. They've, they've held up. As I mentioned, they've been nervy on occasion, but uh, you know they've, they've, mar- they've marched on, they've done what has had to be done. Will they do it again on Sunday? And will they do it in a bit of style as, a, as that France team of 98 did against Brazil? Well, um, very different circumstances, very different position against the Germans. Um, it was 50-50 with actually some people favouring Germany. Um, against the Portuguese, you know, given the history of the games we've played, and we've played so many of them uh, against the Portuguese, and generally uh, almost always uh, with the same result, i.e. a France win. When you see that France have uh, won every single major final they've played in, Portugal has lost his. Uh, you also have to take into consideration the fact that playing in Paris, um, Portugal will have a, a lot of support. Um, Paris and its region are... I think the, the biggest uh, Portuguese community outside of Portugal, um, I would imagine it, it's going to be almost 50-50 in the stadium. And it won't be quite as raucous as it was in Marseille, uh, which was honestly an absolutely astonishing atmosphere. So, um, yes, um, I think they should do it, uh, but I'm not expecting an easy match at all. Uh, I'd be very happy for, you know, a single goal to decide it, and I think it should probably be something of the kind. All right, Philippe, listen, enjoy the game. We'll talk to you yes. on Monday, possibly with France as uh, European champions. Thank you. <laughs> very kind. Bye-bye. Timbuktu. Yo, listen up, here's the story. They're all pumped. little guy that lives in a blue world. We haven't got leaders. They're all just headphones. Inside and outside, blue hair. They don't communicate. You can't get anything out of them. That's why we're no good. They're all just headphones. They don't communicate on the pitch, they don't communicate off the pitch. They're all pampered. Oh, we're getting ready for Russia. Good luck. And then after that, we'll be building a team for Timbuktu. Timbuktu. How have England reacted to that equaliser? Perfectly. Um, no panic. Calm straight down. Continue dominating the game, playing and staying in Iceland's hearts. It's been the perfect response. You'd think that no problem. The only thing that they have got is the big boy up front, Sigurdsson, who really, Sigthorsson, 
Oh, oh my word. My oh. Tell us, talk us through that, Steve. I think we know what's happened. Oh, just say, Sig Thorson. <laughs> just cannot. We hadn't really talked about the £100 man before you mentioned there to Philippe Ken. Pogba, his role in the goal obviously was uh, was fairly phenomenal. Um, yeah, it was brilliant. Um, he was at Mustafi, Mustafi, I think he, he kind of diddled out by the edge of the box. What transfer fee would you pay for Paul Pogba if you're in charge of a mega rich club based on, I want, I want you to put a value, a monetary value on last night's performance. On a monetary value on last night's performance. If it, this is the only time, if you only got to see this guy once, you didn't know what he was like, you were told you had loads of money. Well, would you spend a hundred million on him? I don't know how much money I've got. I don't know how much money he's worth to me commercially. <laughs> Without those kinds of figures, I can't make any decision of uh, on his market value. Uh, All right, how do you think he played last night then? <laughs> I I didn't think he played particularly well. I mean, I I think he always looks good when he's on the ball, and he wasn't really on the ball a lot last night uh, as a result of Germany completely dominating the game, and he he was having this experience which a lot of players have had over the last few years playing against teams like Spain and Germany of just oh no I have no idea where to go or what to do what's happening here this is a nightmare um, where the other team just isn't getting you the ball you don't even really understand what you know how, how you can get yourself back into the game and nobody really looks good when that's happening to them um, but you know it's he's got like a phenomenal individual skill it's like uh he's he's like a obviously a computer game influenced footballer you know you can see a lot of you see a lot of them now you see players who do the types of skill moves that happen in fifa you know what i mean they are doing it because they play a lot of FIFA. <laughs> they grew up imitating these moves. Well, ah, Zidane did those kind of moves. I don't know if FIFA was around yeah, when he yeah, was no, a young FIFA, fella. You see, FIFA was imitating Zidane uh, at the time, <laughs> uh, but uh, not anymore. I mean, I think players actually, you know, because players are, you know, all the kids like love playing these games. Um, Pogba clearly, <laughs> Pogba clearly has practiced quite a few of those moves. I mean, you think back to Zlatan, Zlatan Ibrahimovic in his book was talking about, I mean, how did, he was learning skill moves based on watching little videos of Ronaldo that he was able to collect on his computer. Brazilian you know, which, Ronaldo. Brazilian Ronaldo, which at the time was, you know. Not a very young Portuguese Ronaldo. <laughs> no, but at the time it was like a, a an impressive technical feat that Zlatan had managed to he had managed to collect all these tiny little video clips and would watch them obsessively. floppy disc of uh, three and a half inch uh, disc of uh, Ronaldo's top moves yeah it was it, it, it took a bit it wasn't like now you could just you know go and look at all this stuff you know and maybe just search for it and it's he, he actually had to go and find all that stuff but then when he did you know he would just watch them and then copy them I mean that's totally that's that's what people who are really obsessive and trying to develop a skill like that that's the kind of thing they do um, when they all play games and you could see, you know, oh, what about that move? Oh, I can't do that. People, uh, I'm sure that like that's, it's it's affecting the game that we see uh, before us now on. Did Olivier Giroud play much computer game? Uh, did, did he play many computer games when he was a kid? Um, what was, I, I'm asking that, Cam, because I want to know what was going through Romero, your head when he was streaking away from the defense only to be caught. Wait, is this a, is this a replay? What's happening? Why is Drew moving so slowly? What's what's? Did I miss this first time round? Um, no, I mean Drew was was fine. You could point to the fact that he was there. Manuel Neuer made that desperate, 
you know, flap at the ball to put it on Griezmann's toe because Giroud was there. You know, if 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 Giroud had not been there, maybe Nora would have reacted differently in that situation. I mean, that's given Giroud plenty of credit. I think that's, that's all the credit he needs for last night's performance. Uh, to put it in terms of expected goals, Owen, um, Giroud missed two chances, uh, two good chances last night, for which I would have assigned uh, Anthony Marshall an expected goals <laughs> of two. Yeah. Um, I would have expected him to score both of those chances, but uh, they're not the type. They're, they're not the type of chances Giroud is is famous for converting. No, and he hasn't got pace, and we know that. So it wasn't surprise. Well, well, maybe it was still surprising that he got caught by a centre half when he seemingly had such a head start. Havadis as well. It wasn't like um, a complete flyer. No. Uh, Thierry Henry's criticism actually wasn't so much of that because you can't really criticise a guy for being slow. It's, it's, it's not, not much point in that. I don't know if there's anything you can do about that at this stage of his career. But Henry said he should have shown a bit more composure there. There was a definite opportunity to just get his foot on the ball, allow the defender to slide oh, across. Because yeah. you, you should have awareness that this guy is flying across. And yeah. he, he, he is in a very disadvantageous position. All he can do is it's the slide only thing he can do yeah. is just try to block so a first you know, a shot. Ball and then take a shot with your yeah. right foot inside, which he failed well, to do. Well, Drew, I mean, he, he would have had time actually I think to to do that and then transfer the ball back to his left foot which is what he would always have wanted to do he had that much time if he had <laughs> if back he had, onto his right then back onto his left again sorry. well you know to to to, yeah. to fake a shot defender flies past he could then I think sh- he could then still have shot with his left foot he would have Havetis would have been far enough away the momentum would have carried him almost the way off the pitch to the corner flag so Lukaku style as in the defender Lukaku against Robson Kanu yeah that far away um yeah, he uh, denier that was, wasn't it? Jason Denier, the Belgian defender who was who was running the wrong direction. I think they all were, to be honest. Uh, there were three of them. I think, I think Lukaku pretty much the furthest. The end, yeah, yeah he was, he, he was the, the, the one closest to the goalkeeper who, who that ended was, up. That was Denier. Was it? Yeah, yeah, was it? Um, they both have similar ponytails. Mm, okay, um, but yeah, Giroud. The second, the second one was was actually a great chance as well. That was the kind of chance. Yeah, as I said, Marshall scores those. Giroud, Giroud is a player who scores headers and he scores first time goals at the near post, and he does a job. I have to say, I didn't realize there was so many Portuguese living in um, Paris, and that Philippe thinks it might be close to a fifty-fifty uh, setup here. I'd be pretty surprised if that was the case because um, these, you know, a lot of these tickets are already doled out. This this will be an 80 percent French stadium. At least, at the at the minimum, um, uh, you know, I, if if there was if there was any more than twenty percent Portugal fans, I would be really impressed with the uh, <laughs> with the Portuguese <laughs> community in uh, in Paris. So Portugal would you have preferred Germany? You think? No, I think Portugal would rather play France. Actually, really? yeah, I think they would because um, because Germany are a better team than France. Germany lost to France last night, but they're actually better. They. They they could have. I mean, yeah. I think I think I think the France are kind of have got a lot of good individual players. Don't still don't have the same type of collective strength that Germany do. Uh, it may seem ridiculous to say that the day after France had beaten Germany two 0 but I mean, if you if you went to goal down to France, you could imagine coming back in that game. Mm. Yeah, but I, I would be more inclined to say though that Portugal don't. Uh, Portugal would probably be happier playing against, tr- trying to keep a clean sheet against Germany than they would against France because what we saw last night from Germany was a good team without a cutting edge whereas France are perhaps still more of a collection of talented individuals but they do 
possess players who can do something outrageous and score because scoring a goal against Portugal has been very very difficult in this mm. tournament yeah. and you kind of would see France having more of a cutting edge more of a chance of nicking or scoring a goal against Portugal than the Germany we saw last night and in fairness the Germany we've seen over most of the tournament yeah um, I, I think either way it was going to be a tough game for Portugal but I, I, I don't know I think that they'll be feeling quite confident now they're thinking that this is going to be their this is it for us we've we finally got here. It might be Cristiano Ronaldo's last tournament, but he's finally led us back to this place that we started off in when he, you know, in his first tournament year 2004 um, against Greece. And now it's against Griezmann, uh, who is half Portuguese. Uh, and so, who is, is, sorry? I was going to say the first half <laughs> of Griezmann's name sounds like Greece. That's, well, that's, that's what I'm saying. Well, that is what you're saying. First time it was Greece, man. Oh, and now sorry. it's. Griezmann. Griezmann so can it go the same way both times for the team that sounds like Greece or Griezmann can they win both times I'm not sure on the law of averages <laughs> the law of averages suggests to me that that would be asking a lot mm. but I don't know if I understand the law of averages I don't know if the law of averages actually has any bearing on what I've just said don't worry Murph don't look at me in horror you're not, supposed to have any, you're not supposed to have any Danny Baker tweet, tweets ready I just wanted to let you know that I found my bell okay. so I'm going to use it for predictions Oh, okay. 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 Um, One bell per prediction. I'm not betting against Portugal anymore. I've had it with that. Portugal to win the European Championships. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, to score a hat-trick in normal play and then score the decisive penalty in the penalty shootout. Possibly a hat-trick of penalties. Okay. But to to win, I, I just can't... I'm not. I'm, I'm. I refuse to bet against Portugal. I've been saying all along this team is no good. This team is going to get knocked out, um, and they've they've broken me. I, I've been wrong about them, <laughs> and and now I now I back them for glory. Me, <laughs> I predict a surprisingly open final of Euro 2016. A few goals, possibly a three-two victory for France. Griezmann on the score sheet. Pogba finally has Pogba scored a goal in the tournament. Yeah, yeah. He scored against. Yes, we'll get a second second goal for Pogba of the tournament. And Dimitri Payet, seeing as I've just written him off, is going to be awarded a free kick with about two minutes to go, and we'll crack it in. It'll be deflected, but will the deflection matter? Who cares? They're going to have won the European Championship on home soil. Three two to France. Perf. Oh, hang on. Perf. France two, Portugal one, Griezmann two, Ronaldo <laughs> one. Very much, uh, you're very much seeding the legacy there. If you well, I mean, eight you goals. know, you can, you can get too smart about these. You know, you can talk about deflected free kicks at the last minute, or you can just say the guy who's most likely to score goals on either team on both teams will do that, and the better of those two teams will win. So France two, Portugal one. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, on. Thanks, thanks Ken. Ken. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, thanks very much for listening. Hope you've enjoyed all these Euro 2016 podcasts and thanks for all the great feedback over the last few weeks. We'll be back on Monday. We'll also have a show reflecting all the GA Championship of the weekend. And uh, hopefully we'll get a good final. We haven't really talked about whether or not this has been a great tournament. I don't know if anyone's calling it that or even a good tournament. We'll save all that. That's, that, that sounds more of a Sound Monday chat. Very much sounds like a Monday morning. People, yeah. yeah, people have their weekends to get on with. Thanks for listening. It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.